0: And I'm going to open us with a wee bit of prayer. So please pray with me. Uh, Father, uh, we come to you today glad and rejoicing for our forgiveness. Right? That, that is the good news that starts every other bit of our salvation, that our sins are forgiven through the cross. Uh, almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing you've made, and you forgive the sins of all who are penitent. So teach us today. Teach us about forgiveness. Teach us about repentance through this whole class. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of you, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness. And teach us how to image Christ through uh, knowing our forgiveness and forgiving others. All this we ask through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. So, uh, about, I don't know, three months ago, I taught about uh, forgiveness. And it was just a one-off class, and then we kind of left it. Uh, But several folks asked if I could cover more uh, about forgiveness. And so, Mike and I have been talking. And so, what I'm going to do is four weeks on forgiveness and repentance with sort of a special emphasis on complex issues surrounding uh, forgiveness. So uh, today, we're going to go back over a lot of the same ground I went over in that uh, first lecture, although we're going to stay more with uh, a theological and biblical grounding. So we're just going to basically create some concepts, and next week we'll come around to the application, the how-to, as it were, of forgiveness. And then we're also putting repentance in there because forgiveness and repentance are intimately tied together. So uh, each and every one of these four weeks, I would like us to memorize this uh, one Bible verse, Ephesians 4, verse 32, uh, which is, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted." forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Oh, sorry, I have it memorized a slightly different translation than I put in there. But uh, So let's let's all say this together, and uh, throughout the week I would encourage you guys, if you don't already have this verse memorized, to spend a little bit of time uh, memorizing it. Here's a freebie. So I, I spend probably 30 minutes a day doing Bible memory, and I actually have an app. That essentially works as flashcards. But uh, essentially what, what I, do, I do, I have three parts. So I'll say it phrase by phrase until I can say each phrase by memory. And then I'll get it where I can say the whole verse by memory. And then in my head, I imagine each word typed out in whole while I say it. And then I do it again, imagining I were, I were writing it in cursive, in my head. And then I'll say it again one more time really rapidly. But once I do that a few times, and then I ref- review it a few days, it's amazing how long those things stick in your memory. So that's, that's a little memory trick I use. That has nothing to do with forgiveness and repentance. That's just a Bible memory trick. <laughs> uh, but let's, let's say this verse together. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So today's goal, is really just to remember uh, a lot of what we went over three months ago, um, and to just have a good understanding or comprehension of what it is we're going to do. So I really just want us to sort of have these concepts in our heads. Uh, Today's goal is not necessarily application or figuring out complexities of things. It's just getting this stuff in our head, And sort of knowing the basic concepts. Uh, And we're going to do a lot of that through looking at uh, just verses in the Bible. But I want you to know that if any of you want to do some uh, reading on your own, a lot of what I am teaching on is based on these resources right here. So one is our denominations hot off the presses... DACA report, Uh, that is uh, domestic abuse and sexual assault report. So uh, some wonderful elders and counselors that are members of our denomination got together and wrote this. It it is sort of a handbook of how to deal uh, with domestic abuse and sexual assault, but a big part of dealing with that is also addressing forgiveness and many of the complexities uh, thereof. So this is a fantastic resource. It is available for free uh, at uh, the PCA's website. So, you know, just just Google, uh, you know, PCA sexual abuse report, you'll find it, uh, no problem. Uh, and then last week, uh, Mike showed you guys a video uh, from someone named Diane Langberg, now, I am privileged in that I've actually met Ms. Langberg and studied with her a little bit. She did some guest teaching at Covenant Seminary while I was there. Uh, and many of you know I spent several years as a drug and alcohol rehab uh, counselor. Uh, and these two resources written by Ms. Langberg were very, very uh, useful. So one is uh, Suffering and the Heart of God how trauma destroys and christ restores Uh, and the other one is counseling survivors of sexual abuse now I, i know there's a lot of sexual abuse resources coming up in this talk on forgiveness it's just because those happen to be some of the best resources that have been written on forgiveness it's not meant to be a special emphasis on sexual abuse that's just how it went down Um, So, I absolutely recommend uh, Dr. Langberg's books. Uh, And then also, uh, Dr. Dan Allender wrote a great book back in the early 90s called Bold Love. And again, this is actually specifically dealing with uh, confronting and forgiving people, especially in complex uh, situations. Uh, And so, he's got a lot of practical advice and really... Uh, tries to deal with a lot of the, um, the gray areas that come with forgiveness, especially in hard situations. Now, this other one, I'm hesitant to show you because some of you with a history at Heritage have a little bit of you know, quasi-PTSD over this resource, but I do actually think it's a good resource, and that is Ken Sandy's The Peacemakers. Don't shut me down because you had it shoved down your throat a decade ago, okay? This actually has some really helpful stuff in it, uh, and I think it is worth reading and considering because if nothing else, it at least helps codify a lot of what the Bible teaches into some steps you can think through as you figure out how to forgive people and deal with uh, people sinning against you. Now, I also said I'm throwing in something else. We're not only going to talk about forgiveness, but we're going to talk about something intimately tied to it, and that is repentance. Now, uh, there's all sorts of fantastic books on changing. uh, Both uh, Dr. Henry Cloud and Paul Tripp both wrote books called How People Change. Uh, They both use the exact same title. And I absolutely recommend both of those books. Uh, So, uh, Dr. Henry Cloud and uh, Paul David Tripp, uh, both counselors. uh, Paul Tripp is actually a pastor in the PCA. But, uh, How People Change, both of those books are really helpful, practical guides for thinking about repentance. Uh, And then, uh, a friend of all of ours, at least by family ties, Uh, is a former member of Christ the King Norman, uh, who wrote a book uh, that was sort of a retelling of this book. Uh, And I just forgot his name and the title of the book. But it's in my office, so I'll bring it next week so I remember what it is. But uh, I recommend that book, but it is based on this much thicker, harder-to-read book, uh, Overcoming Sin and Temptation, which is actually three books uh, by John Owen, Uh, And then another book, The Doctrine of Repentance, uh, by Thomas Watson. So uh, all the stuff I'm coming up with is, is, I wish I could say it is, how profoundly wise and intelligent I am, but Mike would know I was lying, and so would you. Uh, And so uh, that's where I'm really pulling a lot of my material from, and I recommend those books uh, to you. So uh, that is what we're doing where we're going, and where I drew my material from. So any questions before we dive into the meat? Okay. Yes. Okay, apparently there are two little books on forgiveness on our book rack in there. I've never read them. I know nothing about them. They're here, so they're probably fine. I'm hesitant to endorse anything I haven't read, so um all right let's start with things you may have heard about forgiveness forgive and forget that's what forgiveness is you just need to forget everything that happened to you no just let it go let it go no we should not just let it go because that's not forgiveness it's not always safe. It's just releasing resentment. That sounds so nice. What does that even mean? How do you do that? It's like release resentment. Resentment's not a thing I can hold. I can't release it. That's that's not how verbs work. Relinquishment of negative emotions such as anger, judgment, and resentment that we have towards another person. The, the person who wrote this does understand what the end product of forgiveness is. But in the context of this quote, they were saying this is what forgiveness is. But kind of like the word release, relinquishment is not a verb that works emotionally. Okay, so this is not a thing we do. This is a thing that happens as we engage in the practice of forgiveness. So, what is forgiveness and how do we do that? Now, Pastor, you went over this. I know, I said I was going over a lot of material we've been through before because it was three months ago. You don't remember it and neither do I. Oh, I didn't get a laugh out of that one. Okay. Um... Alright, so, forgiveness as debt cancellation. That was my big emphasis when I went over forgiveness last time. Uh, I, you know, I, I, you might or might not remember, I told you this whole story about an interaction I had with someone on Facebook where I explained that forgiveness is not something easy and not something that we just do, but it's actually something very difficult and can only be engaged in when we understand it, that Forgiveness is not something we deserve. And that is an important point. If you think you deserve forgiveness, you're not even a Christian. I will say that again. If you think you deserve forgiveness, you're not even a Christian. And if you make someone else deserve forgiveness, you're not forgiving them. You're making them pay the debt they owe you. So... If you're waiting for someone to earn their forgiveness from you, you'll never forgive them. That does not work. Uh, Because the Colossians 2 verses 13 and 14 talks about our forgiveness this way. And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having Forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Right? So when God forgives, he takes a debt we owe and he willingly pays it himself. We owe the debt of the wrath and condemnation of God for all of eternity, and we were dead because of our trespasses and sins, but God made us alive together with him when He forgave us our trespasses by canceling the debt. He canceled it he right it's a if I were to be forgiven my student debt and I have lots of it, it would mean that someone else paid it off so you know that has its own. Uh, I'm not trying to go down anything current events, okay? That's just a good illustration, um, right? But if if debt is truly forgiven, it doesn't mean it doesn't get paid. It means someone else pays it, right? So when God forgives us, he doesn't make our debt go away. He pays it by giving his son on the cross. Uh, and so the legal demands, the... Price we owe goes away because of that. Now, in this particular passage, the Greek word for forgiveness is this word charizomai. Does that sound like anything else you've ever heard? Charisma. Do you guys know what charisma means? Aside from my personality? Uh, It actually means gift. Charismas are gifts. Right? And so... We are freely being given a gift, a favor, given graciously. Uh, And throughout the larger Greek literature, it often means to cancel a sum of money that is owed. So to cancel, to show oneself gracious by forgiving wrongdoing, forgiving or pardoning. So again, that doesn't mean you make the debt go away. It means you're taking the debt on yourself think of it this way. Um, Caitlin and I own a lamp that is worth $6 million. We don't really, but pretend we did. So we own a lamp worth $6 million. And you come over to our house because, you know, we're going to eat barbecue and then wash our hands and play board games. Don't play board games with dirty hands uh, or you'll owe me a debt. Okay. Uh, Right. But let's say getting ready for barbecue, you knock over Our $6 million lamp. There are now three possibilities. Possibility number one, you go buy us a new $6 million lamp. Uh, Possibility number two, you pay us $6 million so we can go buy a new lamp. Possibility number three, we live without the lamp. But here's the thing. If we live without the lamp, we still ate $6 million, right? So if we forgive you that debt, we really just ate the debt ourselves. We paid it ourselves via agreeing to not have that thing, right? And so, again, we definitely don't have a $6 million lamp. If we did, I had already sold it, um, but... Right, So to be forgiven is to have a debt paid by someone else. Now, we happen to have a fun parable from our Lord Jesus having to do with forgiving a debt. And that is in Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. And for those of you thinking, are we ever going to come around to Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20, that's next week, Okay. So if any part of you is itching to go to to verses to Matthew 18, 15 through 20, that's next week, okay? Uh, But if, if anyone beats me to turning there, please read it real loud. All right, I got there first, so I guess I'll read it. Then Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him, as many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. For those of you good at math, that's 490. Um, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So that is like a lifetime's worth of wages, okay? No one can pay that off. It's not possible. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. That's impossible. No, he couldn't. And out of pity for him, The master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. Right? So, again, it's not that the master isn't... You know, it's not like that money just vanished into thin air. It's that the master is paying the debt himself. The master who is owed money is just agreeing to essentially pay it himself. Pay himself, which is sort of a zero-sum game... Right, so he's just out that money. But someone still paid the price. The master paid the price. Oh, but Jesus continues the parable. When that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Right, so I mean that's like a third of a year worth of work, maybe a full year depending, but that's, that's payable. It can be done. Um, And so this servant seized the other servant and began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But the servant refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master All that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also Jesus then said to his disciples... My Heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother and sister from the heart. Everyone should be a little uncomfortable right now. Because I don't know about you guys, but I can think of three people in particular that I am still working on forgiving after a decade. And, you know, that, that says something about how difficult forgiveness is, but how seriously God takes it. So, before we go on, any observations from you guys about that passage I just read? He can take it back. Ooh, what does that mean? is kind of scary what does that mean for our salvation that's a rhetorical question don't answer that thank heavens by grace alone not by us earning it yes that is the much larger biblical theological view but that's not in this passage now we need to read the whole bible in context but for effect i'm trying to forget that for a second i want everyone to be uncomfortable for a minute <laughs> Um, Any other observations of this passage? That's that's interesting. All right. So now, to relieve the nervousness. Oh, thank you for making that comment. That's a good biblical theological comment. It is by grace alone, and there is actually a larger context in which uh, actually we will all come and ask for forgiveness if we're truly Christians, because salvation is a whole life thing, not a single moment thing. Yada, yada. But that sort of uh, takes away the power of my point a little bit. So, uh, when we talk about forgiveness, first of all, we have the Lord Jesus teaching us to pray. And, And once again, he makes a, so this was actually earlier, assuming this was near the beginning of his ministry. In the Lord's prayer, right, he teaches us in the fifth petition to pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. But then when he finishes the prayer, the very first comment he makes is about forgiveness. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now I actually think there is a larger point here that people who are unforgiving people People that never forgive should seriously doubt their salvation. Now, that's not, there's a bunch of complexities, okay? That's not a black and white statement. I've already said I struggle with forgiveness, and Lord, I'm pretty sure I'm saved. Uh, But, uh, I do, right, there is this concerted actual knowledge of my need to forgive and efforts to forgive and a real progress in forgiveness that we'll talk about here in just a minute. Now, in the Matthew passage, both in the Lord's Prayer that we pray and in his immediate teaching, it's a different Greek word for forgiveness, this one being aphiemi, uh, which means to release from legal or moral obligation or consequence, right? So uh, when Barabbas was no longer going to be put to death, he himself was aphiamied, right? The consequence of what he had done was being taken away. It was canceled, remitted, or pardoned, meaning that those whom he had killed, their families were not going to get their pound of flesh, as it were. And by the way, uh, I just finished by... Doing some morning devotionals in Leviticus this week. Trust me, the Bible is fine with the idea of a pound of flesh. Someone murders, you kill the murderer. Someone steals your stuff, they're supposed to pay you back. And if they were being deceitful, they're supposed to pay you back five times what they took from you. So, right, there is eye for eye, tooth for tooth is real justice. Uh, The Bible's very clear about that. So, Uh, The Westminster Larger Catechism says that in the fifth petition, which is forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, acknowledging that we and all others are guilty both of original and actual sin and thereby become debtors to the justice of God, and that neither we nor any other creature can make the least satisfaction for that debt, we pray for ourselves and others That God, of his free grace, would, through the obedience and satisfaction of Christ, apprehended and applied by faith, acquit us both from the guilt and punishment of sin, accept us in his beloved, continue his favor and grace to us, pardon our daily failings, and fill us with peace and joy in giving us daily more and more assurance of forgiveness which we are the rather emboldened to ask and encouraged to expect when we have this testimony in ourselves that we from the heart forgive others their offenses. So did you notice the way the catechism puts that? It says, much like in James 2 that I preached on a couple weeks back, right? We, we are not forgiven because we forgive others. We know we are forgiven because we forgive others, right? It's a work in our hearts that is worked because we know the grace of God that we are forgiven. And where we are struggling with forgiveness, we not only trust the death of Christ, which pays for all of our sins, including the sin of unforgiveness, which, by the way, refusing to forgive someone is a sin, but we also trust that uh, in double imputation, that is, not only are our sins paid for by Christ on the cross, but we get credit for the perfect, full life. That's the grace of God. Uh, you know, that's what actually keeps us in good with God when we continue uh, our, in our sinfulness. So, uh, any other sort of questions or thoughts so far? Before we just look at some other passages about forgiveness uh, in the Bible. yeah so you, you really ask two questions. One is theological, and you're looking for a confessional answer to see if i 'm orthodox, and the other one is the counseling answer. So the confessional answer to see if I 'm orthodox is, yes, indeed, some sins are more heinous than others. Having passed the orthodoxy test, uh, the answer is yes some uh, some sins are indeed harder to forgive than others right is Far harder to forgive someone that has sexually assaulted you than someone that has merely stolen from you. I, I, I would wager. Maybe I'm incorrect about that. Maybe it depends on what they stole. Uh, but that's certainly uh, yes. There are things that are harder to forgive than others, and there are because there are sins that are more heinous than others. Uh, so Isaiah 43 verse 25 which is similar to what's in Jeremiah 31, 34, God, talking about forgiveness, um, says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Now, there's some profound things there and a question. So what do you think the profound things are? Yes. So I have heard people attempt to exegete this passage saying that God literally forgets our sins. But that's not what it means. God is all-knowing. By the way, I repeat everything you say because there's a recording and it never picks up what you guys say. I know this from listening to Mike's recording. So (laughs) Um, I'm going to repeat everything you say. Um, So, yeah, it's not that he can't remember them, He says he chooses not to bring them up. He chooses to ignore them, as it were. Uh, and so this is a sort of hyperbole. Uh, he will not remember our sins. He's not going to bring them up. He's not going to act as though he rem- remembers them. He knows what we did, but he chooses to act as though we didn't. Uh, I mean, that's that's a big part of forgiveness, is God acts as though we were Jesus. God acts towards us as though we were Jesus. I don't know about y'all, but I don't deserve to be treated as though I was Jesus. Um, all right, uh, Psalm 103, verses 8 through 12. Again, if anyone beats me there, just start reading real loud. Ooh, yes. Yeah. What is the chief end of forgiveness? All right, I'm going to ask it again. Say it more like you know the answer because you do. What is the chief end of forgiveness? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Yeah, God forgives us because it brings glory to his name. Is God a narcissist? No. God is the only person who deserves to have his name glorified. In fact, it would be morally wrong to not glorify his name because that's who he is. And that's how good he is. It would be morally wrong not to glorify God's name. So it is perfectly right and just and moral for God to do things for his own sake. So forgiveness, his choosing to overlook our sins, is so that we'll say, praise the Lord. God has forgiven our sins. Praise the Lord. Uh, Which is what the psalmist does in Psalm 103. I'm going to pick up, I'm actually going to pick up in uh, verse 6, not verse 8. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. I know I don't have it up on the screen, but thoughts, observations of Psalm 103 there. So our sins are separated from us, right? God puts them apart from us. And now, I think that's probably both in a justification and sanctification. So there, there's something immediate. We are set apart. He puts our sins from us. But he also, by his spirit, works in us, truly, actually, removing our sins from us. So that over time, we more and more live a righteous life. But he does not deal with us according to our sins. He doesn't make us pay the debt. He doesn't punish us as we deserve. Nor does he repay us, right? We deserve to receive something because of our sin, wrath and condemnation. But he doesn't give that to us. Right? And so, I I hope one of the things you're picking up, if you're not picking up what I'm laying down, I'm saying every way in which the Bible talks about God's forgiveness toward us is to teach us some manner of what it is for us to forgive other people. When we forgive someone, we are saying, I am not going to demand the debt you owe. I will not make you repay it. I'm going to pay it myself. I am not going to do the things to you that I ought to do uh, because of what you've done now there's a question that's going to immediately come up what about consequences for sin that is a good question it's the right question I'm going to deal with that a lot in week three but to give a real short answer just because we forgive someone doesn't mean there's no consequences for sin now that is it's own lecture and that's week three so Hang on to your questions there, because I know that probably stirred up a bunch of stuff. Uh, Right, so Isaiah uh, 53, verses 4 through 6. um, uh, The servant of the Lord, uh, God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Well, crud, I have this one memorized. Where is it? I know it's in my brain. For the Lord has laid on him... uh, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds or with his stripes we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we have each turned every one to his own way and the lord has la- yahweh has laid on him the iniquity of us all right that is how forgiveness happens again the debt doesn't actually vanish The debt gets paid by someone else. Uh, And that someone for us is Jesus. And of course, it's that very forgiveness that uh, allows us to be able to forgive others. Hence, our memory verse and the instructions of Colossians uh, 3, verses 12 through 15. God eats popcorn. Um. That's, if, you, if you ever are trying to memorize the books of the Bible, the prison epistles, God eats popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's a freebie. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, so put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another Right? So the instructions of both our memory verse and Colossians are very clear. We're growing up in love for one another, forgiving like, as, in the same manner which God has forgiven us. And so that's why, I, that's why we're going through all of these verses. Because as we look at all this, we're seeing what it means that God has forgiven us. And we're recognizing that we have to know that forgiveness so we can know how to forgive someone else. Because we're going to have to act like God when we forgive someone else. We are acting like God in a right way when we forgive other people. Come back, slide. I didn't want you to go away yet. Um. Sorry. It's what happens when you use technology. Uh, So I've already said uh, Matthew 18, Ephesians 4, Romans 12 are all things we're going to come back to next week when we get into more of the how of uh, forgiveness. But for now, hopefully I've made my point, forgiveness is... Debt release or debt cancellation. As uh, Miroslav Volf, uh, the Croatian who saw horrible genocide, uh, wrote, uh, the heart of forgiveness is the generous release of genuine debt. The generous release of genuine debt. Uh, Or as uh, counselor Mike Wilkinson put it, a helpful way to think about forgiveness is absorption. Imagine you're in traffic and another driver swerves into your lane, cutting you off and forcing you to hit the brakes to keep from crashing into his bumper. What do you do? Well, if you flip him off and slam on your horn, not for safety, mind you, but for payback, you offend everyone else around you. Um, it's what I always worry about Christians that have Christian bumper stickers on their back because let's face it none of us are a good witness for Jesus in how we drive okay none of us are that sanctified Um, they they have to tolerate your road rage on top of the usual stresses of commuting furthermore maybe the guy who cut you off didn't mean anything personal by it he just needed to move over quickly to take his exit. It happens. I did it the other day. I was coming to the church and I was like, oh, crud, that's the Western exit. And I had to peel across three lanes of traffic. And I immediately went, what a hypocrite I am, because I often say things I won't admit to you about people who do that. <laughs> and then I was the guy. <laughs> right? Uh, But you, in your swearing, definitely meant something personal against him. You have refused to absorb the offense and in the process have compounded the sin. Absorption, says a theologian counselor, is at the heart of forgiveness since it involves the ability to deal with the pain in a way that will not be passed on to anyone else. That's, That's good stuff. Absorption is at the heart of forgiveness because it involves the ability to deal with the pain in a way that it will not be passed on to anyone else. Um, many of you probably know that hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Statistically speaking, most abusers were themselves abused because though. In many cases, there's probably some exception out there, but uh, I've seen it enough to know that a lot of the times, abusers are in part abusing because they've never forgiven the person who abused them. It's more complicated than that nature, nurture, all that jazz, okay? But that is a significant factor. Uh, Abusers abuse because they've not forgiven people that have abused them. Or as Leo Tolstoy put it, to forgive is to swallow evil and prevent it from going further. On the cross, Jesus overcame evil with good. He did not return evil for evil. He did not pass on the evil by seeking revenge. He absorbed it. The only way we can truly absorb evil, the only way we can forgive is to roll it over to Jesus who deals with it for us in perfect love and justice. To do that is to show love for our enemy because our desire that he should know the love and forgiveness of Jesus is greater than our desire to see them punished. I know that's a long quote, but it's so good. Uh, Does anything stand out to you from that? Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, where I'm trying to re-say things. So yeah, that the idea that, um, that 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 we're absorbing it, we're we're choosing not to pass it on because we've actually understood where our own hurt comes from and choosing not to give that to another, very consciously, intellectually. Is that a good summary of what you said? By the way, if Hal and Bill would teach this class, it would be way better. I don't know why I'm the one teaching it, but. I don't know. (laughs) Um, So anytime you guys want to talk, you can save my hide because you'll make it better. Yeah, R- realizing that the abuse is not your fault, realizing that you didn't bring it on yourself, there's nothing wrong with you. Uh, Diane Langberg, talking about abuse, talks about how when someone has been abused, uh, a, the, the image of God has been injured. And that is, that is heresy in its highest form. The reason it is so terrible to hurt fellow human beings is because we are injuring the image of God itself. Because we're made in God's image. Uh, and so it is incredibly serious to hurt another. Uh, but, and often people cannot make... What Hal is saying is often people can't understand it wasn't their fault that is brought on to them. Uh, and so that is part of why they can't work through it. But often people who have sort of mentally absorbed, what was uh, his phrase... Uh, they've mentally absorbed the fact that it wasn't their fault. And so they're able to take it on themselves because they understand their own duty uh, to take that price on themselves. Yeah, John. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Oh, I I, I like that. I think that's I think that's right. Um, forgiveness is not forgive and forget. Forgiveness is forgive and remember, but have some peace about it. Now obviously that's not that's often not perfect in this lifetime, okay? I have forgiven those guys some. In fact, I wrote them a letter. Uh, But some days I'm still angry, and some days I still cry. So it's not perfect yet. But I have forgiven them some. So it's often not perfect in this life. Um, There's a guy in Utah who's a counselor, and and I love uh, what he says. Uh, So to paraphrase what you guys said, mental health is not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Mental health is not your fault, meaning if you were abused or bad things happened to you, whatever. Mental health is not your fault, but it is your responsibility to go and try and be better. Now, uh, I actually do want to talk about some of the complexities of forgiveness. I know I said this would be week three, but after all these sort of hard-hitting statements... um, I think you can be left with a lot of confusion if I don't at least briefly address this. So some more from Diane Langberg. Uh, forgiveness is to lay aside, let go, put away, yield up, and pardon. But when you push others to just forgive, and I have heard counselors and pastors say, you just need to forgive. And, and I'm afraid that's what you may have heard me saying, and it's not. right To push others to just forgive as if it was something that could be done quickly or easily, without a consideration of the consequences of that sin, we have adopted a superficial view of sin. Right. So I know I've been going through all these Bible verses and sort of hammering home what it is, but please don't hear me saying, you need to forgive right now, and if you haven't, there's something wrong with you. I mean, there is something wrong with all of us, but often this just takes time. And that's okay. I'm gonna go with okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so so what Andy asked is, uh, at some point in the class, uh, can I make sure that I deal with how we, because we're a priesthood of believers, can all pastorally help our friends and family uh, forgive others without just saying, well, you're a Christian, so you need to forgive now. Uh, And the answer is yes, that is basically the next three weeks, uh, because we're going to talk about what is repentance. That just got that just summarily got moved to next week because I looked at the clock. Um, so we're going to talk about what is repentance, and then we're going to spend the bulk of our time talking about exactly that. How do we forgive, which then teaches us how to help others to forgive. So we're going to try and, how would we talk to ourselves about it, which is how we ought to talk to others about it. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah, and you know, that's why there are complex issues. So I want to be careful here because there are complex issues in our criminal justice system, but as a general statement, so I'm making a blanket general statement that the minute you start asking questions and I have to qualify it will fall apart, okay, so don't ask any questions, most of our criminal penalties are not harsh enough, <laughs> that's not what you thought I was going to say, is it? <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And uh, so just to summarize what he said, um, in, in American society, so many people basically don't take the idea of sin, or take the evil things that people do seriously enough, so that we don't really make people fully pay for their sin. Uh, And that, yeah, I I think there's a lot of truth to that. (laughs) Yes, yeah, there's a great book uh, by Jerry Bridges, OU alum, uh, called Respectable Sins. By the way, If you read it, you'll be convinced all of us are going to hell. So please read it. Um, (laughs) Uh, All right. uh, From the DACA report, which I said I've drawn a lot from, forgiveness precedes reconciliation and or restoration. And I make a complicated argument from Acts 2, 22 through 41. I'll let you go figure out that argument for yourselves. I don't have time for that. Um, But... Uh, however, forgiveness does not always indicate reconciliation or restoration. I think that's important. Forgiveness does not always indicate reconciliation or restoration. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same. And that's going to matter when we deal with some of the ways you may have been hurt. And some of the ways we look at things going on in people's lives and go well there's all this mess well yeah there is but you know what i don't know if that can be reconciled but there's still a duty to forgive and again we'll talk more about that in week three uh forgiveness is both an event and a process ken sandy says and, and i think that's right that there is and there are is an initial and many subsequent points of saying ah, all right i forgive them i do forgive them i choose to forgive them I forgive them. I choose to forgive them. I forgive them. I choose to forgive... That is normal, okay? So there's nothing more wrong with you than is wrong with everyone else, uh, if you go through that. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in his reflections on the Psalms said, "'There's no use in talking as if forgiveness were easy. "'We all know the old joke, you've given up smoking once, I've given it up a dozen times.'" In the same way, I could say of a certain man, have I forgiven him for what he did that day? I've forgiven him more times than I can count. For we find that the work of forgiveness uh, has to be done over and over again. We forgive, we mortify our original offense, and we discover the old resentment blazing away as if nothing had been done about it at all. We need to forgive our brother 70 times 7, not only for 490 offenses, but for one offense. All right, that being said, I am going to now uh, jump to a little bit of uh, review, if I can get it to let me see all my slides. Uh, Let me see all my slides. So that's not going to work. All right, forget this. Uh, All right, so let's just do a quick review. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is debt cancellation. Is forgiveness easy? No. Uh, Is forgiveness a one-time event? No. Uh, Any other... All right, so now, uh, in order for me to pray us out, you have to name at least two things that stood out to you from this lecture. That is the price for me praying and letting you go. Name two things that stood out to you from this lecture. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Forgiveness is a process. All right, next week we will come back to it. Uh, we'll actually start with talking about repentance before we get into so a theology of repentance, which is much, much shorter, actually, for a funny reason, and I'll tell you why next week. Uh, but let me pray for us. Uh, Father, uh, we thank you for our forgiveness yet again. Uh, I pray, Holy Spirit, that we really would understand uh, uh, more and more what it means that we're forgiven, how our forgiveness is won, and that would move our hearts to know your love and so forgive those who have sinned against us. Lord, make us more confident in our forgiveness so that we can forgive others. And as we forgive others, may we be made more confident in our forgiveness, seeing the gospel working itself out in our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask you to do this because of our our little class here. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.